Good morning, John. Good morning, Michelle. And welcome, listeners, to another podcast about men's health, and especially the men in uh, Australia. John Sill here is um, uh, with me again as a guest. And well, basically, we we uh, not actually seeing each other as guests, right? We just doing this together because we want to raise awareness about uh, men's health in Australia. Uh, we both uh, are, um, yeah, um, we both have experience with, uh, with uh, the downside, the negativity around it, and we just wanted to raise the awareness um, to other men, so to let everybody know they're not alone. Um, so today, I just wanted to raise the topic about um, suicide after depression. Um, if you look at the, the, the figures, and you, you can find all the data on the internet, basically they, they say that since, since early this century, the, the amount of suicides has increased a lot. And the um, 75%, one third, or uh, three, three, no, yeah, 75% is, is men who succeed in, um, yeah, in uh, uh, doing a suicide. Um, and that's a lot, and it actually worries me. Mm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big issue that doesn't really seem to get addressed. It, there seems to be a lot of like, uh, you know, like treating the symptom, sort of like afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do you mean by treating the symptoms? Well, it's it's not really going to the heart of the problem. Like there's, there's things like, you know, the helplines, etc. Yeah, we have the helplines, yeah, the phone yeah. lines. And that's, look, don't get me wrong, I think that's great, but um, I don't think, maybe I should rephrase that and say, I don't think it's enough um, focus on the actual cause. Like go to the cause um, and, and expend a lot more energy and effort on that. Yeah, basically what I hear you saying is you know, if when if somebody if a, if a man is a uh, person is aware of okay I have a problem there is a helpline that they can call yes and sometimes it's a bit it, it it's it can be a bit impersonal and the the step to go to get a helpline um, can feel a bit uh, far um, but it is there it is in place but then usually the, the depression is already there. Yeah. The problems are already there, and you and you say, okay, we need to call, we need to find the root first and dive into that. What's causing the problem? I think so. You know, it's like a combination of um, uh, re-educating in a cultural way. So for men, um, and, you know, you and I have spoken before, and you said to me that, or you you said on the podcast that you used to stuff all your feelings down and definitely and, and, yeah. and so I think that probably one of the biggest problems um, like that um, ability to be able to share or, or actually uh, state what it is you're feeling and, and, and talking to somebody you know because uh, I think that's one of the biggest things I mean if I asked you would you feel comfortable just reaching out to a stranger to a helpline if you were seriously contemplating suicide I mean how would you feel about that I mean would you feel comfortable I don't, I don't really know I've never been in that position You've never been there so uh, but maybe the the old me the, yeah. the person before I started doing men's work and men and working with men's health and other men 
funnily enough, because I was stuffing all that uh, emotions away. And it's funny that you, that you say that. I was, I, I was at the appointment this morning and I spoke to a woman and I told her about uh, what we are doing in our podcast. And she's like, this is great. You know, I have two sons, 14 and 18-year-old. Yeah, and they, 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 I try to teach them to open up, that, they, that it's safe to share, to sh- uh, share their emotions. But she, she, she recognizes that it's, it's hard. It's a little bit of conditioning. They're learning to suppress their emotions. And her partner, she, she mentioned something about her partner, he doesn't share his emotions at all. So it's also not the right role model for her, her sons because he's not sharing. The sons don't learn to share. And that's, that's basically yeah, keeping the problem um, there. And yeah, so, so to answer the question, I think when I was, when I was depressed and having all these physical problems and negative thoughts, I think it would have been hard for me to reach out. And uh, so now, now I know, now, now I would definitely reach out right away. You know, I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of social groups around me who I can talk to. So does yeah. that uh, answer your question? It does, and, it, and, it, and it's, it, it's sort of, it's answered a question that I was gonna follow that up with, and that is like, um, why? You know why why would, would you not feel comfortable doing that or whatever but because you've covered it in the sense that there's a lot of conditioning there there's no role models you, you probably didn't grow up with, with with anyone showing you how to sort of deal with what's going on what you're feeling and and do it in a in a you know manner that's actually constructive rather than sort of like a you know a negative victim kind of Thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I felt isolated. Yeah, and it's it's the whole boys don't cry thing that we are being taught as a kid. Yeah. So crying is for girls. So basically, yeah, it's you feel isolated because there is this feeling inside that wants to come out, but you are. I was taught not to show emotions, and at some point, then I really had the thought. But when my grandfather died, you know, I saw uh, we were at the hospital. I remember this very vividly. That this twenty five years ago. Um, we were, uh, I saw my family members, I saw them cry and I saw uh, some of my aunts cry who I knew they didn't have a good relationship with my uh, grandfather. So I found that it, yeah, crocodile tears, you know, and I felt like I have to be the the strong guy here. I was 16. I'm like, no, I, I can't show any emotions. Emotions is weakness. I don't. Yeah, of course, I, I had a great uh, bond with my uh, grandfather. Yeah. I, no, so I just suppressed, I didn't shed one tear, not even not when he died, not when the funeral was there. And that, that, that went on. When I, was, when I went to relationships and uh, we broke off the relationships, I didn't feel any emotions about it. Yeah. And then when my grandmother died 10 years later, uh, the, the same, I, I felt like, no, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to go to the funeral and I'm going to man up. Yes. You know? And that's, I don't know where that came from, but that's something I was taught, and I that that was the root of so many problems I had later on in my life. You know, all these emotional problems that got all these emotions that got stuck in my body and caused all these physical issues. That's all leads yeah. back to that. Um, yeah, so role model is definitely one. Um, I think I think society has, society has a big part to play in there. Mm-hmm. Um, from a cultural point of view, yeah. you're right. Um, also, I think if our education system would be set up to not um, 
that to encourage showing emotions, that would be completely uh, different. And yeah, well, I think just before you go on there, I just think there's a real lack of education. I mean, I've totally included myself in um, handling things in a healthy way. So feelings, uh, emotions, whatever, you know, situations that evoke those things, handling them in a healthy way, because it's not about um, trying to ignore them or suppress them, because, you know, as you've stated, it, it, it led to, it manifested itself in health problems. Um, so that's why I'm interested in things like a rite of passage, you know, so that you've got some way of, of learning how to deal with that, you know, learning that it's okay, you're, you, you are now responsible for you and you will, you will get um, challenged in life, there will be problems, there will be things that you have to face up to and learning how to deal with that in a healthy way. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that arises needs to be shared and you've got to go looking for help, but it's acknowledging it, you know, and, and, and also understanding that there are times that you need to reach out. What, what do you mean by rite of passage? Yeah, I know it's a little bit, it's a little bit ambiguous, it? but I think through, through the ages, there's always been a rite of passage for young men and young women. Um, where basically they're learning that now they are the masters of their own destiny. This is your life. You are now responsible for you and how you live your life. And so, you know, they, they learn traditions and things through ceremony uh, so that they're able to face life with the things that they need to be equipped with to deal with with the difficult times. And then you, you, you suggest that uh, dealing with emotions should be part of that rite of passage. I think it is. It's not, you know, in this day and age, it's probably a completely different, it looks completely different. You know, we may not be all dancing around semi-naked and covered in bloody yak blood or whatever. A lot of campfire. But... If that's what it takes, if that's what it takes. But we've lost our cultural, whatever it was that we used to do, it's gone. You know, it, we've just sort of evolved into these automatons, basically. Yeah. So blokes don't generally, they're not in touch with their feelings or their emotions. They're uncomfortable with them. Uh, it leads to a whole host of very destructive uh, behaviours and, and uh, reactions. If you, if you, if you take into account uh, the, the violence, the domestic violence after um, alcohol, yeah. you know, that's, um, uh, most of the times it's a man uh, violating uh, the, his yeah. partner. Yeah. And my take on it is like, there are so many emotions stuck in that in, in, in that person. You can't deal with it. Depression kicks in. People go to, for the easy way, grab to, for the bottle, start drinking, and then because they because of the alcohol, they just lose control over their emotions, and then yes, their the inhibitions go. Inhibitions go. 
Yeah. And it was curious listening to you and you explaining your experience of how you suppressed your emotions, etc. when you were younger. Uh, and I guess I reflect on myself. I think, yep, I definitely would have suppressed them. And the reason I can see that as being what I did was I never felt like I had anyone around me that I could share that with me anyway. There was no support from, you know, the parents or anyone really as a child. Um, and <clears throat> I was also thinking my experience for me is I actually get to a point where I stuff that stuff down until eventually one little incident. It might only be just one little uh, thing that happens and I'll explode. So that was my experience. You know, people used to think, you know, what's wrong with this guy? He's always, you know, he blows up. But that's what it was. It wasn't that instant. It was all the, the stuffing down, stuffing down, stuffing down, and then eventually something would trigger it and just release. There'd be like a huge yeah. release. So that would be anger, just bang, big, big explosion. Yeah. And it didn't. I, I never directed my anger physically towards anyone, but I, I numerous times hurt myself. You know, I would punch things, like I've broken my, my hand by punching a door, uh, I broke a knuckle, punching a wall, just trying to release the pain. It's like, ah, frustration, anger, bang. And I could see how some people would direct that at others. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a big leap to, to then start taking that out on others. And, no, and especially when regularly. And especially if you use alcohol or other yeah. drugs, yeah. Uh, put them in the mix, you just lose, uh, lose control. I had, the, I had the opposite. I lost my temper. I really remember when I was 12 um, in, 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 in uh, yeah, primary. And I was always bullied a lot. Yeah. And I suppressed that all. I was, uh, yeah, kids always uh, had a go on me. And um, not the last, last year of uh, primary, but the year before that, I had a teacher. She, she really helped me get through it. And they, she um, helped find a balance um, for me and, and, and the group of the, the, the bullies picking on me. So we basically sorted it out. And, but next year, last year, that teacher basically encouraged um, the bullying and basically told me to man up. And so I just lost from that being this person always shutting down the emotions. And this kid always shutting down his emotions. I just, at one point, I just exploded. And uh, yeah, I, 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 we had these plastic suitcases as kids. Uh, I'm not sure if you had them here in Australia, but we had them in uh, the briefcases, basically. But then, uh, you know, looked off. You know, it's like a proper uh, office briefcase, but then for kids, from half plastic. And I just picked up two and I smashed them uh, onto the faces of those two kids who were threatening to uh, um, yeah, kick my ass in uh, at lunch hour. Yeah, so it just became completely red before my eyes. I had no control over what I was doing. And I think that event triggered... Um, it made it even worse for me to suppressing my emotions. So it never built up 
to an explosion like you were just mentioning uh, when I felt this build up I even withdraw e even further so it became even worse I just stuck put them all away you know all these emotions just put them away as deep as possible and interesting interestingly um, nowadays I'm showing more anger and more emotions uh, with my partner and now and my partner and I we, we talk about um, how we're feeling a lot and I feel safe I can I learn how to express my emotions so I show my emotions uh, anger happiness now even uh, more or quicker because I know it's a release I need to do that because I know if I don't do that I'm gonna feel um, physical uh, pains I'm gonna get depressed so I, I need this small burst of uh, emotional releases yeah yeah so I think uh, just listening to you there it just evoked my childhood memories of uh, I think I was about 11 when I started um, drinking alcohol and that was an incredible experience for me because suddenly I had this uh, outlet of being able to express myself without inhibitions you know it was amazing. I was like, whoa, what is this? So from about the age of 11, I, I, I'd used alcohol uh, to allow me to relax and, and just uh, feel like uh, everything's okay, you know. But um, it it, finally, I, I gave up alcohol about seven years ago because I realised at that point that I'd for that length of period, you know, of my life, it had just been a crutch, you know. Yeah, that, that's a way to deal with stuff. That's, that's a beautiful realization that you had there. And uh, most of the men who come to our circles, uh, even online um, or in one in Perth, they they stopped drinking alcohol. They they became they at some point they became aware of the destructive behavior they were uh, showing because of the alcohol. Yes, and they just stopped completely. And um, I'm not sure how it is for you, but I've I started drinking less because um, I still can I, I still like my glass of wine. I still like an occasionally beer in the right setting. Um, but you said you stopped completely. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't have that desire. I, I and I have trouble with um, you know one's enough. So if, if there's a carton of out, you know, like I used to drink a lot of cider and um, spirits. So if there was anything in the fridge or in the cupboard, I'd drink it. You know, it's like, so I don't trust myself to, to be able to um, limit myself. I have to have a chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. You're after that hit of yeah. feeling good. Oh, I have another one. Yeah. It's a short oh, hit. Have another one. Have another one. Um, and... I don't trust myself, but also when I act, the night that I gave up, I just was bringing the glass to my mouth of, of a nice bourbon and I smelt it and I just went, oh my God, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And you know what? I don't have that desire. Yeah, I miss, I miss the fun and the antics that I used to get up to some degree, like some of the silly things that you do when you're drunk or having a few drinks with friends, etc. But of course, it always goes beyond that. Very rarely do you just, or very rarely did I ever just drink and just sort of have a bit of fun and then that's enough. You know, I always used to just drink until it was all gone. Um, 
Yeah, and I can honestly say to you that every poor decision that I've ever made in my life, like really poor decision, I've always been affected by alcohol, you know. Uh, so I'm not uh, advocating that people should give up drinking alcohol, but for me, it's definitely one of those things that I choose to do because I feel that I'm a much better person for no, it. No, but I, I agree, and it's, it's for me it's a personal choice. I do still like an occasionally wine, and I and I'm in position that I can taste myself. Um, I just had I'm very structured, and I'm a, a type of personality who sets boundaries for myself and can stick to them. And for me, for example, one boundary is just I just don't buy chocolates because I know I'm going to eat it, so I'm just not going to buy things that are um, bad for me. I don't make sure I don't have any alcohol or any beers in the house because then I know then if I don't have it, I'm not missing it. So that's a way for me to handle that. Um, and for example, if I go out, I uh, either I drive and then I say, okay, I have uh, maybe one beer uh, or I just say I have uh, three beers on the evening, but all before 10. So if I go to a party and until midnight, I just say okay, to myself, I just have three beers and after 10 I just drink water because what I definitely don't miss are the hangovers yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm an early person you know I like to rise up early and uh, I want to be fresh and uh, that's something I definitely don't miss so oh yeah definitely I can concur there and and the, and the freedom it gives you yeah like you're not worrying the next day about whether you're able to do it yeah true so yeah. That's, that's for me a way to yeah. deal with it because I just don't want to give up yeah. drinking uh, drinking alcohol no, I, and as I said, I'm, I'm certainly not advocating uh, sobriety or each, each to their own. Um, but I, I know, for instance, we're talking about suicide and, and I see, you know, um, my um, close friend committed suicide. Was it must have been last year, I think. Yeah, just at the beginning. It was just at the beginning of the pandemic. And I look back at his life and... Um, and then we went to primary school together. We actually started school together, but he um, he led a life of trying to deal with his things via alcohol and drugs. And I could see that he, he just got to a place where it just wasn't working anymore. And his only way out was to end his life. And I, I know that feeling, mate, that feeling where you're trapped in a corner and you think the only way out of this painful place is to end your life now yeah, because you, you you play with the, those thoughts yourself oh my god many times many times yeah suicidal thoughts yeah it becomes like a little narrative in the background you know as soon as you start sliding down into a bit of a dark place yeah so so can you can you tell more about the, the, what, what goes on in your head when what is the situation around that when do you have those thoughts? Was it during you felt depressed or what? Do you want to share more about oh, that? Definitely depression. You know, definitely depression or, you know, feeling isolated. And when I say isolated, I mean on that emotional level where you don't really feel like anyone really understands what's going on for you. You don't really know or uh, are able to reach out and express what is going on for you with those around you, your support group or whatever. Um, yeah, so it's just when that darkness comes over, 
and you don't feel like there's any way out, that becomes the only option. Like you, you, you just go, uh, what am I doing here? This, you know, and it can vary. Like it doesn't necessarily. It's not always about feeling like, um, like I felt it when I just thought, what in God's earth am I doing here? I, I don't understand what my purpose is here. I, I, I can't see a way forward. I don't know what my contribution is. I, I don't feel like I've got any real purpose here so you know it can come in many forms it can come in many different ways you know and I'm sure um, there are plenty of other people uh, in that situation who, who can't even talk about it like I do you know it's probably one of the reasons I'm still I'm still here you know I do talk about it is that, is that how you dealt with it you started to you, you were aware of the thoughts and what was going on and you knew you needed to express it? Never used, like, I spent a good deal of time on my own. Uh, I don't think I ever expressed to people on my own, but with my partner I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've expressed it with her. Because unfortunately, the stigma that, that goes with suicide doesn't encourage open and honest talking. There's a lot of judgment around it yeah why is that you think well it's you know a lot of it's cultural you know religious whatever it's, it brings out everyone's opinion i mean i'm sure you've heard it when someone's committed suicide you'll either get compassion or you get derision it's like oh you know how could anyone be so selfish well it's it's never as easy as that is it no it's not black and white if you've not been in that person's shoes and been to the depths of despair and, and darkness it's, it's not necessarily a selfish thing. It's more of a, an act of desperation. I want to end this pain. Yeah. How, how close have you uh, came to actually doing it? Uh, look, it's just like a narrative that runs in the background. Like, so, you know, driving a vehicle or something and you're thinking, oh, it'd be so easy just to, you know, put it into a tree. It's all done. It's all over. Finished. So... That's as far as I've ever got. Yeah, no. it's just just the mental. Luckily for story. for you and for us, you haven't done it. Do you? Do you have any idea why you haven't actually? Uh, I have done seen it? the 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 effects of suicide. When I was in the fire brigade, was the first time I actually came across someone who'd committed suicide, and to see the the aftermath because it's always the why you know what could I have done better to help this person I didn't see it coming you know it just it just really destroys the people that are left behind in in some sense you know that question goes with me to the for the rest of the days you know why did it happen how could I have helped how could I have been a better you know partner brother sister friend whatever it is um you know, and it's devastating. Do you think a lot of people don't see it coming that somebody close to them uh, commits suicide? Of course not, because when you're in that place, you don't want to let people know that you're struggling. No. You put on your best face. You get on with life the best way you know how, and then whatever happens, the, the morning you wake up and you think, oh, that's enough, enough, I've had enough, see you later. 
and of course people are shocked and surprised because you put on your best face. You go out in the world smiling. Yeah, everything was good, you know. Yeah. Why I didn't see that coming? He was so happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that must be painful. Um, so in, in hindsight, with your, with your close friend who committed suicide just last year, um, was there anything... Did you see it coming? Oh, we all saw it coming. So in this yeah. case, you did. <laughs> many, many times. Um, fortunately, um, you know, we had a very tight-knit group of friends uh, from my hometown. Um, you know, they were always talking to him, supporting him, and, um, you know, trying to, I don't know what the right words are, bringing him back, you know, bringing him back to the fold sort of thing, you know, you're not on your own. So it was no surprise when he did go. I mean, it still hurt like crazy, but it was no surprise. It was... Um, and I, I guess the reason I say that is because he was on a self-destructive path. He was never going to look at himself and see what was going on and, um, and take the steps to start addressing what it was that he needed to um, come back from that place. His, his way was the way that he knew and the best way he knew how to deal with it was to, you know, drink and take drugs because it, it gave him a, uh, a short sense of release, relief from all the pain and whatever you know, he was experiencing. So it's a complicated thing. Yeah, because he, he, humans are not easy. He committed suicide even with, he had a yeah. supportive yeah. group around himself. Yeah. Well, fr friends, mates, I don't know. I mean, of course he's, uh, relationship had broken down, so I mean, there, there was nothing going to come from that, but he definitely had support from his friends, yeah. yeah. But then again, you can't be there with someone 24-7. No, that's true, and the, the root of the, of the problem is probably uh, very deep and old, yeah, probably of course it old is. pain. Yeah, and it's a lifelong and pain. You and you can be supportive as, as friends, but you you're not professional help. Uh, you, you like you said, you can't be there twenty four seven. It's not your role. It's not your place. People have to take their own responsibility for their own actions. Um, yeah. Oh, look, it's one of those things where ultimately, if you're not willing to take responsibility for yourself, and when I say that, I'm I'm talking about what you're feeling, what you're going through. It's, if you're not willing to address it in terms of, okay, let's turn the focus in on myself and see what's going on for me here and, and go on that path and on that journey, you're not going to go anywhere. You know, it's inevitable something bad's going to happen somehow, somewhere. Um, the hardest part is, is trying to educate men to look within rather than, try to mask or to push things down or to ignore things or to blame others. It's, it's like, okay, there is a problem here. I am feeling this. This is what's going on. I need to look at why. And if I don't understand that and I don't know how to deal with that, that's when you need to start reaching out to others. And that's when uh, we as a culture need to open up more to receive that, to receive that 
you would not necessarily require for help, but uh, yeah, uh, acknowledge that acknowledge that there there's uh, um, our men needing yeah. help, and that's where I think because our cultures change so much, um, we're very insular. We're, we're a nuclear generation. You know, everyone has their little nucleus. You you know, uh, there's the the wife and husband and the kids and they all live together and everything gets everything is supposed to be sorted out within that little group there's not there's not a community as such and i'm not just talking about a community where you've got people living and and you know uh, there's things there infrastructure whatever i'm talking about community in the sense of people's spirit and connection with one another mm. it's completely foreign to a lot of people um, I, I felt some sense of that growing up in a small town but we, we I felt very disconnected from it because of our family situation we tended to withdraw from from people so yeah yeah that uh, I think that's because we are in a society of individuals right um, but what I hear you saying is that even within our own family unit we're still quite individual and we try to solve any everything within that uh, family unit but sometimes that is not enough yeah so what 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 do you mean with that that's that spirit can you and I worked a bit more on that. The sake in the spirit. Yeah, you said something about in the sense of the spirit yeah, to that community spirit. Yeah. When you're, uh, well, what people know, we, I, there used to be a structure, didn't there, where people would would, would actually uh, respect their elders, and that's not just because they're old; it's because they had experience, they had life experience, they've been through things, they knew how to to deal with things because people had to work those problems out together. You know. And I think that that is part of the problem because we do feel alone, we, and we don't know how to reach out and or to who. Who do I feel comfortable reaching out to with this this thing that I'm carrying with me? Yeah, I think that's 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 a big part of the problem. Yes, and then we come back to where we started this conversation with having a helpline. It's a beautiful thing that the government has set up those things and those those initiatives are there, but it's not enough. I feel I find that the gap between finding support in the, in the spirit of a community, like you're saying, uh, to uh, calling a helpline or, call, or going to a psychologist or going to professional help, I find that gap too big. Because sometimes you, if you want to have professional help, you, you you have to go to your GP, you need to get a referral, you get on a waiting list, weeks go go by before you finally receive that help. Yeah. Well, in your um, in your support network, there are uh, people with experience, uh, maybe elderly, who have more life experience, who can just have that listening ear, you know, just listen to you and acknowledge that you are in pain or that you are struggling with something, etc. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, 
hence that's why you know I have that interest in like some form of kind of a, a rite of passage, particularly for for young men coming into young menness. You know, like yeah. Yeah, so, so what would that? Uh, how would your vision look like? If you yeah. say a, a rite of passage, what would what would a young man? What, what age are we talking? Yeah, good good question. Well, it's that formative era. I think it's sort of like that in between childhood to teen sort of thing. You know, I think that's a very impressionable and a very uh, formative time of your life, particularly as a young man. Yeah, so probably. 12, 13, something like that, maybe, you know. And, of course, people are different. Some people are more mature than others um, at, at different ages. So around that period, I think it would be, you know, just just a step, little step, and maybe something a little bit later on in their life, you know. Yeah, like the follow-up. Yeah. So what would, what would those first steps be? Yeah. What did, what did, you, what did you miss? age because you at that age you were already drinking alcohol yeah yeah I guess it's having having mentors because you know males have a lot of energy we like to be doing things we like to be putting our energies into doing you know we're not much into sitting around and like you know women are very good at communicating they communicate they like to, to you know relationships are very important to them um, so it's trying to work out a balance where men can, or males, uh, put their energy into some form of, um, you know, exercise that has some meaning to it, you know, uh, and for it to actually mean something. You are now on the passage to manhood. This is, this is a step to manhood. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, Michelle, because I've never experienced it myself, but I feel that there is something there that I am, I'd like to be a part of that or, or to be, you know, see it come into play. Oh, well, what I see in, in our men's circles, there are uh, fathers who um, want to introduce their sons, their teenage sons, to that circles, to those circles already. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, bringing them on, bringing them along on the on weekends and hikes that we do as as a group of men, where we where we bond and share, and we where we can share emotions, talk about anything, with without judgment and without trying to fix anybody, but just hold space for each other. And I think it's this what you're explaining uh, sounds a little bit similar, like those men, those fathers are looking for, you know, bring their sons into um, that. Yeah, that experience. Environment, yeah. yeah, the environment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a, a very good idea. Yeah, those sorts of things I think are very healthy, you know, and that would certainly be something that I'd, yeah, I'd really encourage that for sure. Yeah, to say, look, this is, it's quite okay to, you know, voice what's going on for you, to share what's going on for you. I mean, of course, you're not just going to do that to anybody anywhere. I mean, that sense of vulnerability needs to be respected so it needs to be in a place where it is safe yeah because that's yeah. that's the problem because if you don't feel safe you're not going to share that's that circle yeah. you can't break through that's why you know in the, in the manhood um, men's circles we, we create that space and that's why uh, you go to a professional for uh, uh, for help for mental health for example because uh, you have that safe 
space. Yeah, and not necessarily you have that amongst friends. Um, I do believe that once awareness kicks in and they know that uh, those friends and people around you know the importance about it as well as you do, then that changes the dynamic. Then all of a sudden people uh, will come become less judgmental. And in my case, I don't have to be afraid of sharing my feelings uh, and or, or being vulnerable. A lot of men now I can feel vulnerable with, I can share my emotions with. And in the past, I could only, I felt I could only do that with, with my female friends. Yeah. Uh, but I just I played football with my, with my yeah. with the guys, and I talk with the girls. And that that has shifted completely because now I can f- share emotions with those other men that I wouldn't share with the women. Because with, with the women in the past it was about you know yeah I was sharing emotions, but it was about yeah I don't uh, I don't like my work. I'm having relationships issues. Uh, all still superficial problems. Yeah, but I couldn't yeah. even talk with the guys about those. But I feel now that. Um, some of the topics I share now with you and with other men, those are not topics I would share with with women, uh, and not because I don't think they they will uh, uh, listen or be judgmental. It's just because they don't have gone, they don't share those feelings. Same like I don't understand all their feelings. No, and it doesn't. That, no. That's wrong. We don't, and I don't think that's necessarily healthy because women have their groups. And they, you know, they communicate and do things in a certain way and they understand it and men are different, you know, how we, how we do things. And I think it's, it's healthy to do things as, as different groups. And getting back to what you're saying about blokes wanting to bring their kids to, uh, their sons to uh, men's circle, just the simple fact that, uh, that a father is actually um, doing things with his son too, really important, you know, because blokes look up to, to older blokes. Yeah. And if they're doing something in a good way, that has a big impact. Yeah, so so, so, so really talk to them. You and know, it's that just, mentoring Not just thing. throwing a ball, but... It's yeah. like, you know, the, that whole mentoring thing of going, like, you, you learn something from the older man or whatever. And if it's a good example, that's going to be instilled in that young bloke. Yeah. Forever. Whereas if it's just a crap example, like getting drunk and yelling and carrying on and and just not not really dealing with what's going on, you know, that's just not a good example. And I think the society as it is now, men are not around for their kids. Not true. They're just not around because of work commitments. It's hard. It's hard. Women have to do the majority of it. And it's not balanced. And they're doing a great job. It's not balanced, though. No. No. You know, you can't, you just can't substitute that. Yeah. You know, um, I think there's a lot to be said there as to why things are like they are, is that there's just not enough input, positive input, male input into young, young boys, teenagers. You got to harness that energy. You remember what it's like being a young teenager. You, you're full of piss and vigor, mate. You want to get out and do things. You want to. That needs to be harnessed. Well, I have, I, have, I, have, I have two young kittens. I see how much, uh, how much uh, work they take and how much they want to adventure. And, and 
search for things and do stuff. Yeah, and I remember as well as a young boy, I wanted to be out all the time. I wanted to do stuff. Yeah, they're cool. So I just think it's all part and parcel. It all goes hand in hand with why, you know, there is such a high incidence of suicide amongst men. You know, it it just it starts young, and it just ends up as it does. You know, yeah. Blokes don't know how to deal with it. Don't know how to deal with life, the situation, and eventually, it's all over. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you for sharing these insights. Yeah, um, pleasure. I'm hoping people listening do get some takeaways from this. Do know that there are uh, support groups around you. There, there is more awareness coming. So yeah, if you if you are a man and you feel like I, I need the support, I want to reach out. I, I just don't know where. Um, yeah, leave a leave a comment on the podcast or uh, join us. Yeah, reach out. Reach out. That's uh, really important. Yeah, we have uh, we have uh, men's circles every week uh, in Perth and online. For if you are international, if you're in Australia, yeah, here in Western Australia, join them in in in, in Perth. Uh, you can find us on the Facebook. It's called um, actually it's, it's nice with the right of passage. It's called Manhood Ubud and Worldwide, yes. or a Facebook group called Manhood Perth. Yeah, reach out. Find us there, and we'd love to have a chat. And without um, any judgment, without trying to come up with solutions, we're just there to hold space yeah. and just even just to observe it. You know, to participate. Observe. Yeah. Thank you, John. All right. Thanks, Michelle.